Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. And today I want to start out and remind you that you can still get a copy of my course, uh, Your Roadmap to Real Wealth. It is available. If you want to check it out, uh, check out the page wealthformularoadmap.com. This has been a pretty cool project. It was something that uh, took several months, uh, a lot of money, but I'm really proud of it. There's a lot of big names and smart people who are part of this, like Tom Wheelwright, Dean Graziosi, Kevin Day, you know, all all these guys who really spent hours and hours just going through enormous amounts of detail on things that they're very, very good at. Obviously, I do some teaching in there as well. The other bonus of that is the Wealth Formula Network, which is uh, you do get a period of time free on that as well. And that is the Wealth Formula Tribe. And it's pretty cool. We had our first call yesterday. We have forums and then we have uh, calls every couple weeks. And um, I have to tell you, I learned a little bit on there myself. I mean, so there's a lot to be said for this kind of collective intelligence. So if you are ready to get on this journey uh, and check your roadmap to real wealth out and, and check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com. Again, that's wealthformularoadmap.com. Also, remember, you can just get my uh, free book still, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. Just go to wealthformula.com or simply text me at 44222 and type wealth formula, which is one word, 44222 wealth formula. So, as for today, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about uh, the idea of making money, right? I mean, listen, I'm not talking about um, I'm not talking about a salary. I'm talking about maybe uh, getting outside of the salary a little bit and figuring out how are you going to make a little bit more money that's going to fuel all these exciting investments that we talk about here on Wealth Formula Podcast. And I'll say this and and. A lot of you will uh, look at me cross-eyed a little bit, but I'm going to say this, and it's that it's actually not that hard to make money, okay? It really isn't. Uh, I, say, I say that, and I actually mean it. Because you see, everywhere I turn, I see opportunity. And if you're not seeing opportunity everywhere, why am I seeing things that you aren't? Well, I think... For those people who are not seeing opportunity, I'm just looking in different places than you are. Uh, You see, there's often a herd mentality amongst investors and, and frankly, amongst entrepreneurs as well. And we see what others are doing. We see them have success, and we try to do the same. 
And and to a certain extent, it works, right? I mean, listen, uh, I'm the last one who wants to, you know, change up something that's working. In fact, I built my a couple of my business on a concept, a similar concept. All I did is change the variable, but you got to at least change the variable to, you know, to make it a little bit easier. The problem is that when a lot of people are doing the same thing and it gets really popular, it brings about a lot of competition and there is nothing that can kill profit margin like competition. You know, I, I learned this from the business world and my first business uh, was cosmetic, a cosmetic surgery practice in Chicago. And that's, that's what I started initially as an owner operator. And uh, that still exists in Chicago. Now a couple guys out there uh, are working hard in that business to make it successful. Uh, but listen, in Chicago, there is a cosmetic surgeon on every block. Why? Well, because it's glamorous, and every surgeon who's trained in that plastic surgery area wants to be famous. They want to be on TV. They want to be the next Dr. 90210. Luckily for me, I didn't really care to be famous. I just wanted to make money, and um, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't really interested in all the glam stuff. So, and for those of you who are actually watching this, um, rather ra- watching this on YouTube rather than listening to me, you you can uh, see that I am certainly kind of a little scruffy and stuff. I'm just not like a glamorous nine hundred two one zero type. Now, um, so anyway, I focused on building my brand uh, because of that. I didn't care to be a famous plastic cosmetic surgeon, uh, and uh, because I built that brand rather than my fame, it made it easier so I could scale past other famous doctors pretty quickly in terms of actual volume and in terms of actually making money. Now, that said, if I had to do it again, I'll tell you, I would not pick cosmetic surgery as a business. And and and, and the reason for that is that it is too glamorous and too many people want to do glamorous things. It reminds me a little bit about a story that a friend of mine was telling me um, a, a couple months ago, and I thought it was pretty interesting. He was telling me about his father-in-law, and his father-in-law uh, created really a, an empire in, in the janitorial services industry. In other words, you know, uh, he had like a bunch of janitors working for him, and he started out as a janitor himself. And, um, you know, making a few bucks an hour. You know, my friend asked him how, you know, how did he do it? And his father-in-law said it was easy. He said, basically, you know, quote, well, no one else really was interested in the business of cleaning up shit. It's kind of funny when he says that. But of course, actually, when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of wisdom in there, right? If, If people are not interested in something, it doesn't seem glamorous. They're not running to it. Yet there's a need for it. There's a tremendous opportunity to make money. You know, the business I started since that initial cosmetic uh, surgery business that I have have been actually much easier to profit in because they are, frankly, not terribly glamorous. And over time, I've realized that the less glamorous a business, the easier it is to make a profit. Now, the same could be said about investing because I know, you know, you may not be an entrepreneurial person. You may not want to do that. You're making plenty of money in your day job. I get it. But the same could be said about investing. It's very hard to invest right now in certain things that everybody else seems to think is very glamorous. We had this wonderful opportunity in apartments recently, but it took over a year and a half for me to find out something that I could get behind. 
you know, in apartment buildings because right now everyone wants to be an apartment investor. You see so many apartment gurus and, you know, they're telling you that you can retire so easily by investing in apartments and you believe it and you look at them and you're like, wow, I want to be that too. You know, it's it's just the problem is that it gets overheated and when everybody else wants to do the same thing, it becomes harder, profits become less, etc. So it may not be for everybody. You know, it may not be the right time necessarily to get into apartments either because, you know, look, no one wanted to really be in apartments in 2009, 2010 when the sky fell uh, from the sky. And, uh, and then those who bought in 2009, 2010, or even up to probably 2014, I mean, they could have been the stupidest people on earth. And if they didn't make money buying their apartment buildings because they just bought at the right time, then, then they would never make money. Right. I mean, made those years made a lot of people look very, very smart when, in fact, it was just a reality of a massively uh, appreciating market. Now, on the other hand, take something that's completely esoteric. Let's take, for example, raw land. Right. I mean, who's thinking about raw land yet? My guest this week on Wealth Formula podcast appears to be crushing it. Um, and it, even though this is a really unusual part of the investing world, and frankly, I don't know anybody who is doing this kind of stuff, but I'm not surprised. If you figure out how to catch fish where no one else goes fishing, you're bound to come out a winner, right? You're going you're gonna to catch a lot more fish that way. And that's pretty much what um, my guest Mark Podolsky did with Raw Land. And uh, when we come back, we're going to hear exactly how on this week's Wealth Formula podcast. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today, my guest is Mark Podolsky, uh, who bought his first few parcels of raw land in 2001. Today, he's the owner of Frontier Properties, which is a very reputable and successful land investing company, uh, and has been buying and selling land full-time since 2001. He's completed over 5,000 land deals uh, with an average ROI of over 300% on cash flips and over 1,000% on deals that he sells with financing terms. He is also the host of the Land Geek podcast, which is a very cool podcast. Mark, thanks for joining us on Wealth Formula podcast today. Dr. Buck Joffrey, <laughs> thanks for having me. 
You got it. Hey, man. So let me let me start out by asking you, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, because, you know, what what were you doing before 2001? Uh, and, and then ultimately, how did you end up in this, I think, sort of an unusual area of of, um, you know, purely land investing? Yeah, yeah. So I was a miserable investment banker specializing in mergers and acquisitions mm. with private equity groups doing doing middle market stuff, you know, five to 500 million in enterprise value. So nothing too crazy. But I had a 45 minute commute to work and back. Uh, they were long hours. It was high pressure. It was high stress. Were you in New I was York? Micromanaged. No, I was in Phoenix. Oh, a boutique okay. Firm here. Got it. Okay. And uh, I hated it. And it got to the point where I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating <laughs> the weekend going by really fast <laughs> and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that on the side, he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar at a tax deed auction. And he's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. Well, I'm looking at companies all day long in a great company, great company has 15% EBITDA margin or free cash flow. Great company. Yeah. Average companies 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, the show me state. I don't believe them. So I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I go to New Mexico with him. I do exactly what he says to do. I buy up 10 half acre parcels at an average price of $300. I put them online and they all sell at an average price of over $1,200 in the next 30 days. So it worked 300%. Yeah. Yeah. So I took, I took all, all that money and I went to another tax deed auction where I live in Arizona. And again, this is 2000. There's no one in the room. I'm buying up lots, acreage for nothing. And over the next six months, I sold all that property and I made over $92,000. So I said to my wife, I'm like, honey, I'm going to quit my job. And I'm going to invest in land full time. She's pregnant at the time. She said, absolutely not. So I said, fine, fine. So I invested in land part time for 18 months. And it took me about 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit. And I've been doing it full time ever since. I've, been, I've done over 5,200 land deals. And I, I, I love it. It's, it's yeah. really the, uh, the best model. I've got a, a podcast. I had Tom Wheelwright on and I went through my model. I'm like, Tom, do I have the best passive income model? He's like, yeah, you do. Yeah. So I can, I can kind of walk you through it. Yeah. No. And that's great. I mean, so I'm totally intrigued and I've been wanting to talk to you about this and figure out, you know, what you're doing. But so you talk about, you just mentioned a little bit about sort of the capital gain standpoint of this, but um, in the form of essentially of, of flips. Right. But you also talk about a this as a cash flow model. I mean, that's really kind of the unique aspect of this. Can you give us sort of a thousand foot view of that? And and since you mentioned Tom, uh, why don't you include the tax consequences of that too? Yeah, yeah. So let me let me kind of walk you through it um, step by step. So you're in Santa Barbara, California, right? Right. Okay. So I go to a, a county in Texas, and I'm looking at a ten acre parcel on the either the assessor's list or the tax delinquent list. I, let's go to the tax delinquent list. I say, oh, look, Dr. Buck Joffrey owes $200 for 
on this 10 acre parcel in Texas. Well, you're advertising two things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You live in Santa Barbara, the property is in Texas. Number two, you're distressed in some way. Um, because when we don't value something, we don't pay for it. And you owe $200 in back taxes. So I don't know what your distress is. Maybe you just, you know, lost your job or maybe you're going through a divorce or maybe you're just not interested in the property anymore, whatever it is. But eventually, if you don't pay those property taxes, you're going to either lose it to a tax deed sale or a tax lien investor. And they'll eventually foreclose on you. So you're going to lose that property at some point if you don't pay your taxes. So what I'll do is I'll look at the last 12 to 18 months of comparable sales on those 10-acre uh, lots in Texas. And then all I'm going to do is divide by four. And that's going to get me a 300% margin of safety, as, as Warren Buffett would say, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be like the housing guys and send you a letter saying, hey, I'm interested in buying your land. I'm actually going to send you an actual offer. And because you owe $200 back taxes, you live in California, you accept the offer. Now, the reality of this is that 3 to 5% of people accept my quote-unquote top dollar offer mm-hmm. of, of 25 cents of a dollar. So you accept it, and then I go through my due diligence. So just back Number up for one, a I, second. May, may, yeah. Might have missed this. How do, you, how do you determine what the value of the property is at that point, or of, the, of the land is before you send that? So I look at the last 12 months of comparable sales. Okay. And so you the, just, it's property. just like, it's just like a comps in, in real, you know, when you have an apartment building and, and that sort of thing. Right. I mean, exactly. Yeah, now okay. the problem with land and the great thing with land is it's a very inefficient market. Uh-huh. So the comps could be all over the place. So I'm going to take the lowest comp and divide by four. Okay. So you accept the offer. I go through due diligence. I want to make sure you own the property. Back taxes are only two hundred dollars. There's no, uh, you know, breaks in the chain of title. Uh, there's no liens or encumbrances. I have a whole property checklist. Everything checks out, and then I buy your property for, uh, let's say in this example that the comps are a uh, hundred thousand, and I buy it for, uh, you know, twenty five thousand. Okay. Right. Yeah. So now. I've, I, I bought the property for 25000 and now I've got a best built-in buyer. Do you know who it is? No. The neighbors. The neighbors. The neighbors. There you, ah, there you go. So I sent out neighbor letters, and I said, look, before I go to the open market, here's your opportunity. Expand your holdings. Protect your privacy. Protect your views. Right? So oftentimes, the neighbors will buy that parcel. Now, if the neighbors do pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. If the buyer's list passes, I'll go to a little website you probably never heard of called Craigslist, the 10th most trafficked <laughs> website in the U.S. Uh-huh. And then I'll go to Facebook buy sell groups. Um, either way, I'm selling this property in 30 days or less. Uh-huh. And the way that I'm, I'm going to sell it is where we make the property cash flow. So I'm going to do owner financing on a mm-hmm. land contract. Mm-hmm. So essentially, I'm going to get $25,000 as my down payment. So I'm going to get my my money out on the down payment or within, let's say, six months of the down. And then I'm just going to make it, you know, a, a, a nice, easy, let's say, car payment of $1,000 a month for uh, the next 10 years, right? Or so that's pretty is. cool. It's almost like getting that, you know, 
uh, in the real estate world, we always do the cash out refi, right? I mean, this is effectively right. doing the same thing with the seller's money and you, you've taken your risk off the table. Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. So I'm an owner finance it thousand a month, 9% interest, 10 years. And now I've created a passive income of a thousand a month over the next 10 years. And I don't have to deal with a renter, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm using a land contract, if you stop paying me, there's no cost of foreclosure. I keep the down payment. I keep the monthly payments. I resell it to a new person, extending out my ROI and my note. Also, because I'm not dealing with a tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act. Now, if I'm Tom Wheelwright and I'm looking at this model, the biggest knock on this is, well, look, that's all good, but there's no depreciation, yeah. right? Because mm -hmm. raw land lasts forever. And so we can take advantage of self-directed IRAs or a qualified retirement plan, invest our SEP money or our Roth money, and grow, in, you know, and really supercharge those retirement funds, growing tax deferred or tax free at 300 to 1000 percent margins. And that's really where the benefit is. Now, if you don't want to do that, if you own it a year and a day, you're actually at the capital gains rate as well. Is that a, for the cash flow as, as well? Is that how that works? OK, so initially the first year you're paying ordinary income. Ordinary uh, income. Correct. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So. Um, Wow, that's that's a very interesting concept. A couple of questions come to mind here for me. What are people doing with this land when they buy it typically? I mean, is it if they're buying it, are they usually using it to build houses on? Are they using it for recreational purposes or is it all over the board? You know, it's all over the board. I'd say the majority of my buyers, what I call legacy investors, they just want to own a real asset that they don't have to maintain, they don't have to protect looks really good to their banker. They're building their net worth. And, you know, maybe they'll go out there one day and do something on it. Yeah. And in a, in a way, I almost call it man jewelry. They just like the way it feels, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, I've, right, got, right. I've got a CEO in San Diego. He, every month he, he has a note at 5000 a month for me. And uh, for years and years, and he keeps buying up all this raw land. I, I call him up like, Don, you know, what do you do with all this land? He's like, I don't know. I just think it's cool. He's yeah. never looked at the property. Yeah. He just thinks it's cool. Yeah. And so we see that a lot where there's literally a pig for every barn. I, uh, I bought 40 acres, uh, in New Mexico and I made a mistake and I, during due diligence and I, I didn't see the property corners and, um, it was literally on the side of a mountain. There's no ingress or egress. Like, only 15 of the acres are actually, you know, you can actually access. Right. right. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, I paid $2,500 for it. So I put it up on eBay and I thought, well, if I just get my money out, I'll be okay. The first day it gets bid up to $2,500. By the 10th day, it goes up to $32,500 and I'm freaking out. So I call up the winning bidder and like, you realize like, you know, 25 of these acres are inaccessible. He's like, it's perfect. And he happened to be a, a film director in L.A. And he wanted to film out there. And he didn't want to deal with having to get permits. So it, it just, these crazy things happen in raw land. Yeah. Okay, so, so Mark, tell me this. So, the, so I'm, I'm, you know, I like to kind of visualize, you know, how this works. And so if I'm interested in this concept, 
I go and first of all, where do I find the land in the first place? I mean, where where where, you, where do you go to find this stuff? It's obviously, it's not like on. Uh, you know, if we're buying from you, you look at Craigslist, right? But but if, right, right. But, yeah. I mean, you know, nobody wakes up and thinks to themselves, "Boy, I'd really like to own some raw land in yeah, Iowa." Yeah. Right. Unless you live in Iowa. Right. So we go to places where there's lots of inexpensive raw land, and in the path of growth. And the Sunshine States. So we really only specialize in the Southwest, California, a little bit in the Northwest, and Florida. And we really ignore the rest of the country. Yeah. And um, is there platforms that are focused just on land that you typically use? or? Yeah. There's landsofamerica.com. There's landandfarm.com. There's landmodo.com. Mm-hmm. There's landflip.com. There's landhub.com. Right. But I mean, it's, it's in your case, you're market. actually, you know, we're, you need to go find out who owns money, who owes money. So that's where you start when you when you figure right, out a place. Right. right. So right. So we we look at the counties where you know we've done deals in the past, and really, you know, I, I've got a a client. He's a full time firefighter. He's at over uh, fifteen thousand a month now in passive income. He makes more money on his land investing business, working at it two hours a week than he does as a full-time firefighter. And he works in one county and he's been doing it for three years. Right. So you don't have to work that many counties um, to do this. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about the model is it's 90% automated with software. You can do it from anywhere in the world. It just becomes a machine. And um, it's, it, it's really, you know, one of those interesting niches because if you go to a RIA meeting – and there's 100 people in the room, 99 of them are going to be landlords, house flippers, or wholesalers. You and I, Buck, are going to be the only land guys. Yeah. So you're not going to go on HGTV or the DIY network and see me on Flip This Land because it's just boring. It's just me in front of a computer. Right. So, you know, billions of acres of land and nobody really doing it. Yeah. So, so you, you know, that one is just one of the things that occurred to me is that it sounds like a volume business, right? I mean, if you did 5,000 transactions since 2001, I mean, several hundred transactions uh, per year. And I mean, is this, I mean, is this like a full-time job or is it truly passive investing? Can you kind of give us a sense for, I mean, what do you have to walk every single one of these properties? Or, I mean, I would think if, as somebody who invests in multifamily real estate, I wouldn't invest really without going and seeing the property and walking it. But are you, is land different? Land is really different because what we do is we crowdsource it. So for 50 bucks, we'll do a local Craigslist gig and have somebody locally go out there, fill out our property report, take pictures, shoot video. And because it's raw land, I don't have to look at pipes, right? I don't have to look at the structure. There's nothing physical. Um, I just want to know, can we find the property? Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so you don't even need to do all the know, soil testing and all that, right? Because no, that's, yeah. no, nothing like yeah, that. Because, yeah. We, yeah. So, um, you know, again, these are inexpensive parcels. I mean, they're typically under $30,000. And so we're not talking real money here. And our cost of due diligence are so low. We use the, Philipp- uh, uh, the Philippines. We got somebody who's connected to a American title company. And we pay $11 for our due diligence. I mean, it's it's crazy. So it is a volume business, but the game we play is can we create enough uh, owner finance notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses and we're working because we want to, not because we have to. So it is this one-time sale, and then we get recurring income every single month. But 
yeah, that one-time sale is not passive. So in a sense, you know, I work about two hours uh, a week in frontier properties. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that sense, it's it's very passive. So you're not walking this stuff. So that makes it automated. Obviously, there's there's other things I think about with this business model, and I'm just trying to figure out in part, like, how does somebody who doesn't do it, who maybe has a full-time job, you know, as you know, I have a, a number of listeners who are physicians or, you know, maybe they're, they're working lots of hours and making lots of money, but this sounds really appealing and trying to figure out when you have this, do you need a lot of systems and maybe your training comes into play when you talk about that. But I would think that, you know, how do you even, um, you know, now you've got all of these, uh, all of this debt in play and, you know, how are you making sure that everybody's paying you? I mean, is that part outsourced? I mean, it sounds kind of complicated. So I'm trying to get a sense for, you know, at a, at a thousand foot view, like how is this right, machine right. working? Right. So from the front end, we automate our mailings. Um, we automate our marketing using software. And then on the back end, we automate getting paid via ACH. If the ACH fails, we hit a credit card on file. We use a software program called geekpay.io, which manages it um, and manages that relationship between me the lender and them the borrower so the borrower can make a prepayment at any time they get notifications they can go online and see their current balance at any time and so it really is all automated because you know any way that i can save time i'm investing in it so if you are an accredited investor we also have a fund and um you know for those people as well that don't have that kind of time to you know sort of do exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, we and we do have a lot of those, so um, uh, that that's good to know. What kinds of, you know, obviously past performance does not predict future uh, results, but what kind of returns are people getting on, on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, of- because of the way the fund's set up, I really can't publicly talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that... In theory, you know, how would it, a fund it, perform like that potentially? <laughs> in, in, in so it's a Reg theory, D506B, so we're not talking about a specific fund. But we're talking right, about right. a fund in this area. Yeah. In, in theory, you know, we would be very disappointed of anything south of thirty percent. Is that right? And for, so for, distributed yeah, for investors, distributed yeah. like on a, a quarterly basis or something like that, huh? Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. And we and we, you know, invest alongside them as well. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So. Okay, so now uh, there are some people like me who are like, man, I should learn. I should really look into this. Um, and you've got training for that, right? So tell me about yeah, the training. Yeah. I, yeah. So, you know, the, the best place to start is thelandgeek.com and you can download for free our passive income blueprint, get the ebook, how to avoid the three fatal land buying mistakes. And then, um, you get our, uh, podcast delivered each week to their email inbox. And then Buck, if they, uh, send an email to support at thelandgeek.com with the subject line wealth formula. We'll send them for free our passive income launch kit, which is normally like a, a $97 course uh, for free. And I think that's enough information where you can really dip your toe in the water and see if this is something that resonates with you and you really understand every part of the business to take sort of the next step and get more serious about it and think, okay, you know, maybe I would want to invest yeah. in additional training yeah. or not. Yeah, right. So I'm curious, one of the things that comes to mind uh, 
to me as I'm starting to look at various other, uh, you know, I have a little bit of ADD mark, so I can't, you know, I do surgery and then I'll stop and I'll do, you know, to start a business and then I'll start to invest in things. <laughs> so, but um, I'm looking at, you know, what to focus on in the next few years. And I, one of the things that comes to my mind is, you know, I see that a very high likelihood of, of, you know, cycles changing. We're sort of at the top of the cycles in a lot of the asset classes right now. How did, how did land perform in 2008? Obviously you were part of it. And what happened, and 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 what do you expect in in a downturn with this kind of model? Right. So let's. So what's interesting about um, our models? We're sort of on the long tail of real estate. So if the head is say residential and commercial, right? They got crushed in 2008. I really didn't get hit until 2010. Hmm. So people are still trying to pay their notes and try to. Um, you know, perform, but then 2010, it all kind of came to a head and it became between, Hey, you know, paying groceries or paying their land note. So we had 40% of our notes, um, go into default. Wow. And, okay. And so that was a really, really sort of a, a cataclysmic event. Um, the other guys in my business, like, you know, give an example, he started earlier than me. He was at two hundred fifty thousand a month in passive. He went down to one hundred twenty-five thousand a month in passive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took about three years to recover from that. Today, we're looking at a default rate in a good economy at four percent, and I think when it turns, we're going to look at a default rate at about ten percent. Yeah. And in a cataclysmic economy, um, like what we experience, which hopefully is a once-in-a-lifetime event, we're looking at a forty percent. Right. Uh, loss. And just to be clear, when the strategy that you talked about, by this point, though, you've got your, uh, you know, potentially you've got your down payment, uh, you've got your your risk off the table. So really what the question is, is, okay, is it going to kill you if you're just sitting, you know, with land? I mean, is there cost no, no, associated it, it did, with yeah, the land? So like for me personally, um, my income was hit, went down 40%, but the business itself was still profitable. And the returns are there because I still own the underlying asset and I just had to get the velocity going in and resell it. So I could, you know, I had my money out. I had a lot of flexibility to lower down payments, lower monthly payments and make it irresistible for a buyer. So it was, it just took sort of time and, and sort of this, you know, not knowing, you know, like just being shell shocked, you know, for the first time going through that cycle, how to, how to pivot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and when you're when you're sitting on land, raw land, is there what kind of expenses do you have in holding uh, when you're just I mean, holding just, land? Yeah. yeah, I mean just property, just property taxes. taxes. I That's mean, it. you don't yeah. have to maintain it at all or anything like that. No, nothing yeah. like that at all. And presumably, I mean, these are pretty inexpensive plots of land. The taxes are not going to be crushing you or oh, something like that, right? Not at all. Yeah. yeah, no, not at all. And again, we sell these in thirty days or less. I mean, it's just a machine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you're selling it, and then you're cash flowing too, right? I mean, there's Correct. a there's a two Correct. there's two double prong approach here. So, so anyway, this right. is really fascinating stuff. Tell me a little bit more about the podcast. Um, I uh, I have been a guest on it, which I just thought was really it's a lot more fun than my podcast. We're just like all business here, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Art of Passive Income podcast. Uh, we do two shows a week. One is with an expert like you, and we kind of just, you know, 
diving deep and into kind of extracting out your success secrets. And then the uh, other one is a roundtable podcast with myself and other land investors just talking about what's going on in the raw land market and things that we're seeing in real time. Fantastic. Well, listen, Mark, thank you so much for being on Wealth Formula podcast today. Oh, Buck, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really happy to have able to, to join. Thank you. We'll be right back. So welcome back to the show, everyone. You got to love that interview, right? I, you know, listen, I, I listened to that. I listened to what Mark has to say, and I, I have to tell you, because I do like shiny objects, I'm very tempted to give this whole thing a shot myself. And I may very well do that because part of what I'm thinking about doing on Wealth Formula Network, which is, again, our forum, is actually having a series of course and coaching reviews. So I'll be the guinea pig. I'll go try out these things and see if I can make a profit. And if I can, I'll report back to you. It'll sort of be like CNET, right? So anyway, yeah, that check that out if you're part of Wealth Formula Network. Um, if not, check out the course at uh, wealthformularoadmap.com. Anyway, again, lots of opportunities out there and and, you know, Mark is showing just one more. And so it's just a matter of figuring out what sticks. And if you try this enough times, uh, you will make money. And I, I'm living proof of that. So finally, a quick reminder to make sure uh, to give me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. I know you guys have been doing it because the show has drifted in the top 30 in the business category, in the top 10 in the investing subcategory on iTunes. So thanks for doing that. That is a big feat, and I think uh, I, have, I have you to thank for it. But keep it up. Let's keep this baby going. And that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.